Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Pylon, a podcast about the NFL from Impact 89 FM Sports in East Lansing, Michigan. I'm Ian Drummond. Alongside me, once again, Jacob Lothamer, Michael Marcock, and Darren Baydoon. How are you guys doing today? Good. Nice Friday. We're recording this. It's the very first day that gambling will be legalized in the state of Michigan for online. I know I'm excited about it. It'll be the first chance to be able to bet on a little playoff football. I wish we would have gotten it for the first weekend for wild card, but you know, uh, better late than never. Indeed, a wonderful Friday. If like Jacob, you just cannot stop the bets. I mean... I'm not a gambling man myself, but you do you, Jacob. Anyway, it's time to talk about the divisional round weekend that we just got through. Obviously, all of us were tuned in for Chiefs-Browns. Michael definitely, probably going through it, watching the game, I would assume, you know, I just I kind of want your reaction to the game, Michael. Uh, I mean, to say it was a roller coaster was an understatement. I mean, um, you know, honestly, like the way it started, I wasn't really surprised at all. You know, our defense, even though it was fully healthy for what it was, I mean, it still it hasn't been fully healthy all year. Um, Greedy Williams and Grant Delpit were out for the season, so it's two key secondary members that we never even got to see. Um, but then, yeah, the Chiefs were doing whatever they wanted. Um, what was clear on Sunday was there is a significant speed mismatch against any team against the Chiefs. Um, the Browns couldn't keep up with, you know, whoever it was. I mean, Denzel Denzel took uh, took away Tyreek a few times. But, I mean, like, we, the Browns could cover Travis Kelsey. The dude is absolutely unguardable. Mahomes was just doing his thing. Um, and the Chiefs' defense was playing very, very well. Um, we'll get to the – we'll get to the, you know, whole – fumble out of the end zone, hit to the head thing in a second. Cause I'll, I, I have an entirely separate opinion on that whole situation, but um, I would be lying if I told you when Patrick Mahomes didn't leave the game, I thought the Browns were going to win. And, but I was upset. I didn't want, I was, you know, I was like texting with my dad and I said, honestly, I don't want to win this way. Like I didn't want to win with Mahomes out of the game. I wanted to beat him at their best. And basically, you know, Everyone's telling me I'm crazy, you know, just, you know, just take it, you know, if we win with or without, I'm like, no, I, I want to win with him in the game. It would, it wouldn't have felt right. It wouldn't have felt fair. Um, and they pulled it out with, you know, Andy Reed with, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if I could have done that. I mean, going forward on fourth and inches from midfield. I mean, that's, that's insane. Um, but I mean, when you have Tyree kill to run a little action route, it works that way. Um, and then another thing that I noticed was the chiefs, this is a problem for the league, but so that that if if any of our listeners or any of you guys watched the national championship game and watched the motions that Alabama was doing with Devontae Smith, the Chiefs have started doing the exact same thing with Tyree Kill, and it's completely unguardable. If we're going to allow wide receivers to basically run back and forth in motion for five, ten seconds before a play, that is an unguardable play, and I don't think that's a, I don't think that's football. I don't I don't like it, but it's 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 in the rules. It's part of the game, but for the Chiefs, it's absolutely unguardable. And they they outschemed the Browns, they outplayed the Browns, and they they played the Browns game better than the Browns did. They controlled the clock, they controlled the running game, they stopped the run. They, I mean, they did everything. So, you know, but I'm proud of the Browns. 
I'm proud of the season that we had, and I'm looking forward to next year. Thanks for that one, Michael. I do want to obviously get to a couple of huge events during that game that certainly contributed to it being a roller coaster. The first one being Patrick Mahomes being knocked out partway through the second half and now being in the league's concussion protocol after a hit on a little, little speed option play by Browns linebacker Mac Wilson. All indications seem to be that he's okay. It didn't really look like there was a lot of like, it didn't look like there was like direct head contact with the ground or between Mac and Mahomes on the play, but it was certainly notable. And I did want to ask, I did want to ask if you guys think that he's going to be all right for the AFC championship on Sunday. I don't think there was ever a doubt. I know it's really weird in the NFL because I've personally never had a concussion before and I don't know exactly these NFL players, they've played years and years of football. So it's like they've had tons and tons of concussions, but like you're Patrick Mahomes, there's like 0% chance you have a concussion. You didn't have a concussion. You're passing this concussion protocol test to be able to play this game. Like, I, I, I don't know. It seems shady at some points. I don't think he ever did have a, I know he's in protocol, but it just looked weird. He never had direct head contact. So Doctors, I, doctors confirmed that he he never had a concussion. It's it was like um, a pinched nerve in his neck or something. It was a neck injury. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, I would be more concerned right now if I'm the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes. Is his foot? His foot did not look good against the Browns even before he had this head injury. I I don't know exactly what the foot injury was. I think it was something wrong with like a broken big toe or something like that, but. He, he was having a hard time moving, and one of Mahomes' favorite things to do, you saw it when um, – I'm blanking on the backup's name right now. Chad Henney came in, and he ran for the uh, third down, and he got it to fourth and one. That's Mahomes' favorite thing to do on a third down is be able to scramble for it because he's so deadly with his arm that he's, he's able to run and no one expects it. So when you don't really have to spy Patrick Mahomes and you feel like that you can get to him and he's going to be more of a pocket passer – it's us because sometimes he drifts outside the pocket, which gets him in trouble. But I feel like that's the biggest part for the Chiefs right now is trying to see how your running game will work because their running game did not look great against the Browns. And the Bills have a pretty – they have a pretty bad run defense, but their pass defense was pretty decent last week against the Ravens. So I'm curious to see exactly how the Chiefs are going to scheme it to make Patrick Mahomes a little bit more mobile, but see what he can do. So I'm curious to see what this weekend will look like. Yeah, no, I mean, I'll agree with, honestly, Jacob on all of his points. It's just, I mean, you know, they talk, I think the report came out that saying that Mahomes pretty much took all the stars reps in practice yesterday. So, yeah, there's no there's no threat of him potentially missing game or anything like that. But, no, the Chiefs, they, they really have, in terms of, no, I think Jacob brings up a great point in terms of looking at the running game because Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who got out to, the rookie who got out to a great start this season, really hasn't been – much of a factor at all for most of the second half of the season. And I think he's, I, I, I believe he had been dealing with an injury. So, you know, you would think this is a point where it's like, well, you got Le'Veon Bell for a reason, you know, to try and help out that ground game. And, you know, if Mahomes is still, you know, whatever, whether it's the pinched or whether it's the foot, if he's still dealing with something to try and take a little bit of pressure off him. Cause no, cause Buffalo's going to be, they're going to need to score. I don't think this is not the bills team that they're facing. And we'll get into that game 
you know, soon enough, but this is not going to be the same Bills team that they faced in like, what was it, week four of this season? Like, this is the hottest team. This has been probably the hottest team in the NFL since that point, to be honest. So, I mean, they're going to need Mahomes to be right. They're going to need to have balance because it's, it's just, you know, this is, it's too good of a team for them to not be at 100%, be like, oh, yeah, we're the Chiefs. We can just win. No, you got like, you have to be able to be at 100%. The Bills are the Bills have just played too well. Like you can't just assume because just because you have Patrick Mahomes on the field, that's a guarantee. So yeah, no, I think that's all gonna be important. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean, yeah, obviously Mahomes is gonna have to have a good day. I think one of the key factors coming into this game, you know, we'll 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 break it down a lot more later. But I think it's I think it's that the Chiefs have experience in this game. You know, this is the third straight year they're gonna be hosting the AFC championship game. And so I think I think having that plus having a defense that's playing right now probably as well if not better than any other team currently in the playoffs right now um maybe Tampa but we'll see but Kansas City's defense had a, had an absolutely unbelievable day um they're they they were disguising their blitzes they were they were you know dropping linemen into coverage i mean it was it was it was absolutely amazing i mean they they were really really good um, and I think if they play like that, they can shut down anybody, even the hottest team and hottest player in the league. All right. Thanks for that, everybody. I do agree. You know, I think that Mahomes is playing. And yes, we certainly will talk more about the Bills Chiefs game later when we go into the conference championship pick them. But now I want to go over to another extremely impactful moment from that game, which was that that Richard Higgins fumble touchback ball going out of bounds into the end zone, which sparked a lot of debate, at least from NFL media people on my Twitter timeline about the fumble touchback rule. So I did want to ask, if you guys think that that is, is it a good rule? You know, is it, is it something that should be changed in the future? Perhaps. I I've always hated it. Honestly. Like I've, I've just always, it, it's cause it's the concept of it. I would support being like, okay, if you fall, I'm, I'm supported like saying like, if you fall out of the end zone, okay, go back to like the, the 25 or just have a set line to go back to. Cause that's not the, the defense, you know, that's not, I just don't understand why the concept is what it is when in terms of when the defense doesn't actually end up recovering, it doesn't recover the ball. It's like, it, it just, I don't know. It just feels unfair because you're just, you're penalizing the player on offense. Who's, you know, trying to score, you know, what, in terms of the, whatever the situation is, it's just, he's trying to score. And, you know, it's just, it just feels like it, it, for people to have to think about, Oh, well, should I try and stretch over? It's like, no, I mean, score a touchdown. I mean, you got to score a touchdown. That's should, you should, no one should have to think about it in terms of like, oh, well, what if I fumble? It's just, I've always hated it. I've always just hated the rule. No, I, I think it's one of those rules that I think desperately needs to be changed. I'm going to, I'm actually going to pose you a bit here, Darren. I understand where you're coming from, where it should be a natural move. And if you want to go for the end zone, go for the end zone. But every single rule on the field helps the offense at all times. Usually the one rule the defense has is if you fumble it out of the end zone, they get the ball. I feel like it's a fair rule. If you want to even out the pass interference to help defense a little bit more, or you want to help with these pick plays that happen all the time, the chiefs run a ton of pick plays all 
the time that never get called. Uh, if you want to help them out a little bit with that, then sure. Then I would say change the rule, but I don't see those rules changing anytime soon. So I don't know why this one would. I think that this is the only rule that helps the defense. I think it's dumb because that really ended up biting the Chiefs in the butt, but or not the Chiefs, the Browns, but uh, the Browns still had chances to win that game. If that was like a play in the fourth quarter and that's what lost them the football game, then I would understand more. But they had a lot of chances in that fourth quarter and they just didn't capitalize a couple of times. So I think it's the one rule that helps the defense. And I think you have to keep it until we see a more balanced rules against offense and defense. Yeah, um, I mean, I'll start I'll start off by saying I completely, you know, respect the results of the game. I'm not. I'm not trying to claim that anything that happened during this play, you know, changed the game. That's like assuming a double play. So I do, it, it happened. They lost. It's whatever. But the two points that I want to make of of this is, is number one, the fumble out of the end zone. Look, I understand the rule. I get it. Um, but as I've heard a lot of other people say, I, I just don't understand why the end zone is treated so specially. If the ball goes out of bounds anywhere else on the field without a clear recovery by the defense, the offense gets the ball back. Why is the end zone any different? I agree with Darren. If we want to say, move the ball back to the 25, call it a touchback, but then give the offense the ball, okay, fine, you have to go 25 yards. I'm totally on board with that. But there's no reason that the offense shouldn't get to keep that ball. Anywhere else on the field, the offense gets to keep the ball. But you're saying within 20 yards of the field, they don't. And to me, that's that's ridiculous because the defense wasn't anywhere close to recovering that ball. Um, so that's that. I understand the rule. It's whatever. I don't think it's ever going to get changed, but that's that. The other part I want to talk about is the um, the clear helmet-to-helmet hit by Dan- Daniel Sorensen on Richard Higgins that was not called. Um, my personal stance on this, and first of all, shame on the Chiefs social media team for, you know, tweeting all about Dirty Dan, you know, making a play, because that's exactly what that hit was. It was straight dirty. Um, Richard Higgins doesn't fumble the ball unless he's, you know, unless he's freaking drilled in the head, which he was. Um, the one thing I want to say about it is, you know, two years ago, the NFL made a rule that was saying pass interference was reviewable. And I didn't like it. I don't think pass interference should be reviewable. You know, I think that's kind of a bang, bang play. There's human error in that call. I think we need to start reviewing helmet to helmet hits slash targeting. I think it needs to get, I think it needs to be challengeable and reviewable. And I'm only saying that because it's a player safety issue. I'm not saying because it happened to my team. I've seen this happen way too many times, way too many teams that a blatant hit like that is just going unnoticed as if nothing happened. And it is a player safety issue. Like Rashard Higgins, I'm, I'm, you know, it's fortunate that he was okay, but I mean, if he would have gotten hurt because of that hit and then they didn't make a call, I mean, Daniel Sorsen probably would have been, he probably would have been suspended for the AC title game. I think he, I think he should have been suspended for the AC title game. Um, I'm shocked he wasn't even fine. Um, but to, to find him would be the NFL admitting that they were wrong and they can't do that. I think this needs to be challengeable. I think you need to protect the players. And I understand, like, you know, as Jacob said, the defense is at a disadvantage at almost all times on the field. I get that. But when the defense does something like that, they can't – you have to protect the offense or else you're letting the defense get away with that. And I, I just – I can't – I don't know. I just can't let that get outspoken. I mean, I'm glad Richard Higgins is okay. I'm glad everyone made it out of that hit. Okay. Um, That's dangerous for everyone involved and that needs to be reviewable. It just has to be. That definitely was a pretty, it was a pretty blatant helmet to helmet. You know, if you, you look at the replay, it's, it's right there. And, you know, I certainly think that you're very right to have a case about that and to be able to challenge it 
and review it in the name of player safety. I am kind of on Jacob's side with the fumble touchback takes, though. Um, you know, I think he's absolutely right that pretty much everything in football right now helps the offense for whatever reason. And I can certainly appreciate something that gives a little bit to the defense, even if it's not the most elegantly crafted thing. It's not like there aren't other occasions where there's a touchback if the ball's in the end zone going out of the end zone for some reason. Um, and I did see something on Twitter that I thought was a very interesting idea as a change to the rule, which was to keep it as it is, but to, instead of the touchback, like give it to the defense, the team, the team did not fumble the ball at their own one. I thought that was a very, that was a very interesting change, but it did kind of, it'll, you know, it eliminates a lot of the free yards that the defense gets out of that, but still kind of keeps a lot of the inherent advantage to them. While it, it sort of splits the difference between treating it the way that normal out-of-bounds fumbles are treated versus how it's treated going out of the end zone. You know, for some reason that really, that really connected with me. I feel like if it, this rule is going to get changed, that's what I would like to see happen to it. Well, Michael said something that really touched base with me. You guys both made really good points. Is like, if you're already reviewing the play, he's going out of bounds. He's making the play towards the end zone. You're reviewing, you're obviously reviewing the fumble. I've never understood why in any sport, it's not just football. It's in basketball too. Like you're reviewing some kind of charge and you see like, oh, there was a foul before the charge, but you can't call the foul now before the charge. But I don't know why you can't be like reviewing the fumble. You're like, okay, it, it would take the NFL saying they're wrong. They're never going to say they're wrong. So they can't be like, oh, this was a fumble. It should be a touchback, but this was targeting. Maybe it should just be offsetting penalties, redo the down almost. But the, uh, that would take the NFL saying that they missed it and they won't say that they did that. But I've never understood why you can't change the call or make a different call when you're already reviewing the play because you're going to review every scoring play and that was potentially a scoring play. So it's tough. It would take them saying they're wrong. They're not going to say they're wrong. Certainly right on there, Jacob. It's hard to imagine them saying that they're wrong. Now, obviously we've been talking a lot about some of, you know, even talking about the Browns, a team that for pretty much our whole lifetimes has not been great and came up just short of that coveted AFC championship. However, another team that has also been extremely bad for most of our lives did get that success. The bills took care of business against the Ravens 17 to three, and they are one game away from their first super bowl since 1993. <clears throat> I do want to touch on how strange this game felt to me. And I don't know if any of you had that feeling watching it, but this was just a, this felt like a very deeply weird game from start to finish. You know, both these offenses very, you know, the Ravens came out running all the time. The Bills came out passing all the time. And like, that's normal for them, but 
it felt like they did it even more than usual. You had Lamar Jackson getting knocked out at the end of the third quarter, sort of a weird parallel with the Chiefs game there. And, you know, is, is that how you guys felt or, or, or did it go differently? And I'm just like the only one thinking this. No, I definitely thought it was a little weird. I was expecting to see a game maybe reminiscent of like the Browns Ravens on Monday night, like a high scoring affair that was going to, you know, come down to like the last possession, who was going to have the ball last possibly just because of how good these two offenses had been playing. But, um, you know, I mean, you have to credit the Bills. De- I mean, the Bills defense, though, deserves a lot of credit. They they had got off to a slow start during the season, but over the last, I think, second half, they had went up to being more so resembling the unit that we saw last year when they made the playoffs, mainly on the strength of that defense. So, you know, it's just a situation where, you know, it was windy, it was bad weather. I, I, I remember looking, I knew that, you know, when Justin Tucker doinked two field goals in a row, that kind of, to me, was like, because, like, he doesn't miss anything anything like Justin Tucker is as on Mac of a kicker as you can get and when he missed those two kicks I was in my head I'm like I don't think the Ravens are gonna win because it's just like it, it felt like karma it just felt like you could just see it. it's like if he's missing those it's like god they are they they might not do anything today and so it's just it just kind of went that way and then you know they just never got going Buffalo did enough offensively to score which listen I mean Baltimore's defense you only allowed one touchdown you know I mean it's like you 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 did there you couldn't have done much more in order to try and win that game but like you know at the end of the day it was just that you know you know it was the advantage of Buffalo being at home they were able just to be a little bit more productive on offense and it turned to be a real a lot more of a defensive struggle than people thought and yeah and now they're yeah I definitely think this bid this 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 goes well for the Bills coming into this game against the Chiefs like having their defense click so well like it did last week. Like, the Ravens are a good offense, and obviously they they have some weird games sometimes where Lamar struggles, and Lamar did struggle last week, and he threw that 101-yard pick six, but it was 10 to – it was 10 to – it was 10 to three. The Ravens are in the red zone. They're trying to score. You throw that pick six, now it's a two-score game, and it, it, the game never really looked back from there, especially after Lamar went out. and. I just feel like the Bills defense played really well and we've given the Ravens defense crap all year and the Ravens defense played really well. So it makes me feel good about um, Buffalo's chances against the Chiefs. And I just think Josh Allen played kind of his best, almost Tom Brady impersonation game, I want to say a little bit. He's obviously a different quarterback than Tom Brady, but Tom Brady's never been a type of guy, especially in playoff games to throw for like 400 or 500 yards he throws for a solid 250 300 yards he manages the clock he moves the chains he hits the players that he needs to hit and he just controls the game and I feel like Buffalo did a really good job of doing that and I think that was the thing for the Ravens they could never really impose their run game because they could never get a good flow they had a couple of nice drives but they never had a good flow of the game and I feel like what the Bills did was control the clock so I really liked what the Bills did, and I hope that's what they try to do against the Chiefs this week because uh, no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. So I'm excited for that game. Yeah, I think this game was kind of, you know, I mean, I know I picked the Ravens last week because, you know, I just had a weird feeling. Obviously, it was wrong. But I think this just kind of shows how important it is. Like, sure, you can be hot, but who have you played to get hot? 
And you look at the Ravens' last few games of the season, and they played the Jaguars, the the Giants, and the Bengals. Like we were, we got, we were all caught for fools. We were all, you know, oh my gosh, like the Ravens are like this really, really, really hot team. You know, they beat the Browns, then they beat the Jaguars, the Giants, and the Bengals. We wanted to make that sound great, and all of a sudden it's like, well, no, they beat those teams because they were the Jaguars, Giants, and Bengals. They, you know, and they they were showing signs of a struggling offense against the Titans, who is not of it, who are not a very good defense. Um, and their defense helped them win that game. But against Buffalo, I mean, the, I mean, what was obvious was the Ravens just have no weapons. I mean, look, Hollywood Brown is, he's a great burner receiver, but he's probably going to be no better than a slot guy in this league. He's not, you know, an outside number one receiving threat. He's what five foot nine or something like he, he just, he can't do it. Um, Des Bryant is old. He's, he's kind of washed up and he never has, doesn't look like he's fully recovered from that Achilles injury. I mean, the Ravens have just been neglecting the wide receiver position for the last, you know, four to five years. And, you know, when, when you, Oh, wait, let's just double team Mark Andrews. And all of a sudden Lamar can't throw the ball to anybody. Um, by the way, his pick six was the first interception Lamar Jackson has ever thrown in the red zone in his career. And, and then it went back a hundred yards to the house. But um, I don't know. I mean, I think this is just – that game was kind of what we know out of the Ravens. They, they can't pass the ball when they need to. And when you shut down their run game, they have to pass, and they can't do it. So I think for the Bills, the game plan was super simple. I think their defense played well because it's it really is not that hard to stop the Ravens. But when if you let Lamar get loose, then you're going to have problems. The Bills never really let Lamar get out of the pocket. And that was – you know, that's credit to them. The Chiefs are a different animal. We're going to see how they attack that offense because it's a it's a basically it's the reverse offense of the Ravens. The Chiefs and the Ravens run like offset offenses. It, it's wild, but you know. So we'll see how they respond to that. But I'm not going to look too much into this game. I think the Ravens are basically exactly who they always have been, and we were giving them too much credit for beating bad teams. You know that's a really good point. I also pick the Ravens again off of a weird gut feeling and now I am feeling the after effects of that you know we'll we'll talk more about the changes in the pick'em rankings later obviously but I think that there are a lot of good points to take out of what you guys said I do want to go back to Darren talking about the Bills defense because re-watching the highlights from this game after having seen it live I do have to give the Bills defense a lot of credit because they were getting in Lamar Jackson's face regularly throughout this night. And they weren't even necessarily rushing, you know, five or six guys to do it. They could get that sort of pressure with just four. And you often, you just saw Lamar dancing around the pocket. He was trying to do some, you know, his best, like, Madden impersonation, you know, dance around like 15 seconds, try to pull a miracle out. And a couple times he did that, but a lot of times he was dancing around, then he'd throw an incompletion, throw it away, take a sack. And the Ravens do not live in that sort of negative play land. They are trying to be ruthlessly efficient on the ground. So they don't have to beat you through the air, as Michael said. And 
they were not really able to do that. Even though they had their running game going decently, you know, you look back at it and it wasn't terrible outside of Lamar underperforming on the ground compared to his usual. I do think that those Justin Tucker doinks were huge. You know, I think that that was, that's probably a serious psychological blow to this team to have the most automatic person on your team. The one thing that you can always rely on completely go awry in a situation where you need him. And obviously he's not the only person who was affected by the wind. Uh, Josh Allen did not play his best game at all, at least in terms of volume stats, as Jacob mentioned. It seemed like the wind was really carrying his passes. He didn't look too comfortable either. You know, the Ravens defense had him running for his life a fair amount too, especially given the sheer number of dropbacks he had, especially in the first half. But I do think it was a better performance by the Buffalo defense. And I do think that it's going to be good for them going into the AFC championship, which again, we'll have a little bit more on that later. Now we do have to go over to the NFC games. We do have to talk about them, even though, at least in my opinion, they weren't as interesting. Can we all agree that the Packers Rams game was not particularly interesting? It was the, it makes me so angry being a Lions fan, and I know Darren and you say the same thing. That clip of Rodgers just grinning and then hitting Lazard on that touchdown, it's just it just rips your heart out. The dude is a killer. When it comes to somebody putting the game away in the fourth quarter, I don't know if there's anyone better than Aaron Rodgers at controlling the clock, moving the chains. All this stuff that I said that the Bills did well last week, This the, the best person who's I've ever seen do it, I've only watched football for – 20 some years, but it's, it's been Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has had some crummy teams around him, but yet he still manages to win games. And this Packers team ran the ball on the Rams. And that was the one thing that the Rams could hang their hat on is their run defense. They ran it on the Rams. And I know Aaron Donald was hurt. So that was tough, but the Packers just look like a wagon right now. And it's, it's hard to root. It's I'm rooting against the Packers because I don't like Rodgers and I don't want green Bay to win just because I'm a Detroit fan, but it's so hard to be down to look at greatness and just be like, dude, that dude is good. And then I feel the exact opposite way. I don't know if we want to cover just like a quick double with the saints in the box. I don't have much for the takeaway from that. Michael, we should have stuck with our goddamn gut. We felt the bucks and we changed our minds. Cause they're like, there's no way this saints team has a better roster. The saints are underperforming. The same reasons why we didn't want to take the Saints was Drew Brees, and he was the reason why they lost the game. So that's just tough. That's the the one. Drew Brees had a great career. It's time to hang him up. I don't see him coming back. He's had a long career. Uh, He's going to go down in the record books. He's going to be a Hall of Famer for sure. I'm excited to see Brady Rogers. That's my takeaway from those two games. Yeah, um, I mean, I completely agree with the the Packers side. I mean, I. I mean, can we can we stop debating MVP? Can can we stop? Like, can we can we get Josh Allen out of there? Can we get Mahomes out of there? It, it's Aaron Rodgers, and it it's been Aaron Rodgers for a few years now. Um, 
what he's doing with his little wet, his little ta- talent around him is is absolutely remarkable. I mean, Devontae Adams is a dog. We all know that. But like, you know, Alan Lazard. Look, Alan Lazard's very good. I think he's very good because it's Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. I don't think he would be that good on really any other team. Um, I mean, Equinemia St. Brown of all people was catching big time passes for them that game. I mean, the 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 clear neglect of like the Packers to basically dare Aaron Rodgers to will them to a championship is really backfiring on them right now. And it's it's really fun to watch. And honestly, like we talked a lot about, you know, Jared Goff's struggles coming into this game. I actually thought Jared Goff played pretty well. I thought the Rams offense played pretty well in this game. Um, they were moving the ball basically whenever they wanted to. Their defense just couldn't get a stop. And that's scary considering, you know, they were statistically the best defense in the league this year. And they had no answers for the Packers. The Packers could score whenever they wanted to, however they wanted to, with whoever they wanted to. And that's scary for the rest of the league. Um, Just to circle back real quick, Michael, sorry to interrupt you, and then you can go again. The Packers did the same thing that you're upset about with the Chiefs. They did the Devontae Adams play. They brought him across, then they ran him. And then Jalen Ramsey's like, what the hell am I supposed to do? I followed him here. I went over here, and then my guy didn't switch because of the communication. They did the exact same thing. And I was just like, you're right. That play, that play, especially on a goal line or a fourth and one, unstoppable play. Unstoppable. It it is, and I I don't – it's, it's in the college ranks. It's making its way to the pros and like, as it should, that's always the way this works, but that is end game for anyone else. If you don't have the speed to keep up with that, it's end game. It's over. Um, but so then, okay, now I'll transition over to the Saints box real quick. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I want, I thought I was going to take the bucks like for all week. And then I changed it at the last second and I, I do regret it. Um, the saints are just, you know, they're kind of one of those teams they, they started off really slow. Then they got like super hot. They went like nine in a row in the middle of the season. And then they lost like three of their last four. I, you know, I thought Drew Brees had one more run in him. I thought he could beat a Tampa Bay team that was still trying to find themselves offensively. And honestly, I think they still are, but that Tampa Bay defense is for real. Um, they're, they're, they're nasty. They're physical. They're tough. Um, you know, Devin White throwing the absolute, like one of the stiff arms of the season on a, I don't even remember who that was, but he, I mean, that was a nasty stiff arm. Um, but Tampa Bay's, you know, they're going to, they're, they're, you know, they were the better team. I think, I think during the regular season, we all kind of got hung up on 38 to three and, you know, they got blown out in their place and, you know, we can kind of look back on it and say, can, you know, let's stop looking into just one-time results. Teams have off weeks. It happens. You know, say Browns lost 38 to six to the Ravens and then played in the game of the year against them just about two months later. Um, so like, we got to stop doing that. But I mean, as for, you know, Buccaneers Packers, it's going to be a great matchup of two all-time greats, two first ballot Hall of Famers. Um, I'm excited to see what a, what a warm weather team is going to do up in the, as Tom Brady calls it, the tundra. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, no, I think, and honestly, the Rams, I thought overall the Rams competed well. I mean, th- I mean, up until I mean, this was a one-score game up down to you know down in the fourth quarter. So it isn't as if there it isn't as if they didn't compete. But Rodgers had his chances. He missed Valdez, uh, Marcus Valdez Scantling on a long pass down the left sideline earlier in the game. Alan Lazard dropped what should have been you know at, at least a very long reception earlier, and so like you know that touchdown pass he had to him kind of made up for that. So. They had their chances. I mean, they could have won this game. If he connects on those passes, they could have won this game by multiple touchdowns um, or even, you know, even more than they did. Uh, 
But yeah, I think this is Rodgers is simply playing. I mean, this is as you could argue this may be the best season he's ever had. And that's what the season he had in 2011, where he had, you know, where the Packers went 15 and one and he threw whatever was it, 46 touchdowns and only like five interceptions or so, you know, like just obscene, obscene numbers. Um, and you know what the other, and here's the funny thing is, is that this is going to be, despite the fact that the Packers during his pretty much his whole, most of his career have always been a title contender. This is the first time that he'll be in an NFC championship game at home. Think about that. For the first time in his career, they'll have be at home in the NFC championship game. And, you know, it's going to be different from the last times he's done it where, you know, he has, you know, 2014, it's in Seattle and, you know, they had to leave, but then they choke it. You know, 2016, they face the Falcons, they get blown out. Last year, they face the 49ers, they get blown out. So he finally had, this is, this is the best opportunity he's had to get back to the Super Bowl in, you know, since probably, you know, since the start of the decade, I would think. I mean, this is, this feels like it's it like at least to finally get that second ring and to make, and to get that monkey off your back of, you know, earning of being among the best quarterbacks of all time with multiple Super Bowl rings. Um, and so I think, yeah, like, like, like what Jacob said, it just feels like the pack with him right playing this way, the Packers just, just look like a train that does not, is not going to stop rolling. And I'll touch on the Saints game too. It's, I thought, yeah, no, Mike, I'll agree with you. I thought Drew Brees had one last good run. Them. I thought their defense was going to play well enough to, keep the bucks from making a ton of plays, but you know, overall it just, it just, it had, it was going to end at some point, whether it was going to come in this game or even in the Super Bowl. So it's just, you know, it just, it kind of sucks that breeze is going to, people are always going to knock him because of the fact he's only got one ring, despite the fact that he'll finish among, you know, the top or near the top of every passing statistic that exists based on all the numbers he's put up in his career. But um, yeah, but no, I mean, listen, I can't, I mean, Brady Rogers, you can't, you, you really can't complain with that. You really can't. So it's like, I mean, it's, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a great, it should be a great game to watch. And, uh, but you know, no, I mean, you know, I was, you know, I can't, I'll, I won't lie. I was rooting for the saints because I've wanted, you know, I, I felt like breeze has deserved that second ring, but you know, Hey, I think, I think he's basically got a job and, you know, he's got a broadcasting job that he'll be able to step into right after, right after he announces his retirement. So, you know, he'll, he'll be fine. can't wait to hear some drew Brees color commentating going to be an interesting time for the league <clears throat> um michael i have to disagree with you saying that the rams offense looked good i personally did not think that they looked that great and i feel like they were pretty outmatched and i think that that i think that you could kind of see that in how often that they were going with like these kind of weird wildcat runs with Cam Akers. Like it was working for them for a while. So can only complain so much about that, but I'm not sure that's something you want to do if you're feeling extremely confident in Jared Goff's ability to move the ball. Of course, on the other side, it's not like whatever the Rams offense were doing mattered because it's the Packers they're one of the offensive juggernauts of the league. They're just, they're going to get theirs. And I don't know how anyone is supposed to stop it when you're doing stuff like, as Jacob said, that little goal line route that's pretty much unguardable. Motion the guy one way, motion him back the other way. 
I I don't know if there's anyone in the league who can take care of that. That's just difficult. So I can't say that I was too surprised by what went on in that game. Went pretty much as I expected. Um, Bucks Saints, obviously, another another whiff in the pick'em for yours truly. I too was suckered into the idea that that the Saints defense was going to take over again. You know, Drew Brees had it in him. I mean, he's definitely not coming back after this game. You know, I think he's clearly like he's done. You know, and that's not, you know, that's no disrespect to him. Obviously, he's one of the greatest to ever do it. And I hope he has a pleasant, happy retirement. But it it can't feel good to have to go out like this when you don't have your best game. And, you know, maybe you can take solace in the fact that you did against another all-time great who just happened to have more to work with on that side of the ball and maybe isn't declining quite as fast. Because that's certainly what it looked like for the Bucks. Bucks offense looked pretty solid in the game. Defense is legit. They've been legit for a lot of this year, especially against the run. If they get Vita Vea back for this championship game, I can't see the Packers accomplishing much on the ground. But, you know, that's about all the takeaways I can get from the NFC games. They just they don't feel as exciting as the AFC games this year because whole time it's really just felt like man Packers are going to just walk all the way to the Super Bowl aren't they and as a Detroit fan that just kind of makes me sad all I can really say about it one thing that definitely does not make me sad is the Lions finally official head coaching hire They've poached Dan Campbell off of that very Saints team that I was just talking about, the assistant head coach and tight ends coach. This is something that had been rumored to be official for quite some time and then just became official a couple days ago, culminating in what has to be one of the weirdest press conferences I've ever seen or heard about from a head coach introducing himself to a city, but at the same time, I'm ready to run through a brick wall for this man, Jacob, Darren. Right, right through a brick wall. Uh, I watched, like we were talking about it before we started, I watched the uh, good morning football thing like everyone talked about, and he's like, I didn't mean it to be that vulgar, and I kind of love it even more. Like, I don't know, I just want something the complete polar opposite of the X and O, like especially a head coach. I get the X and O as a defense coordinator and offense coordinator. It's really, really important. But a head coach is supposed to motivate, be a player's coach, I think, and just be there for the guys. And this dude seems like a dude. He is the dude. He, I'm excited. He shows passion. I, I love that. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I don't have a whole lot of takeaways. This is Dan Campbell. I don't know a whole lot about him. I think he's, I, I'm really excited to see what he does. Next big step is trying to find out who the offense coordinator is going to be. I think that's the big, that's like his mate. You just got a hit on this offensive coordinator because uh, I'm really excited 
I think they're, I really like what the defensive coordinator who they got from the saints as well. Uh, that Saints secondary has looked good with Lattimore the last couple of years, and they've made some pretty decent signings and everything on their defensive. And they, and I think they play good secondary defense. I, I like what they do in the secondary. I just want to run through all the other coaches that got hired real quick. A couple of takeaways. Staley, I'm concerned about him for the Chargers. I don't know if it was much as X's and O's for the Rams defense. It has to be a part of it, but they also have Donald and Ramsey. So I'm a little concerned. Thought they would go an offensive guy after a defensive guy and Anthony Lynn didn't really work last time. And I feel like you need somebody to kind of connect with Herbert. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce the Eagles head coach's name. Sirani. Cerny. You guys know how to say it? The Eagles head coach. Sirianni. Yeah, Sirianni. Sirianni. They took him from Frank Reich. Frank Reich used to be the offensive coordinator for the Eagles. They stole his offensive coordinator on the Colts. I don't know if I ever saw anything in the Colts' offense that made me think this guy needs to be a head coach. So that was a little weird, but I do agree with going with an offensive coach. And then Smith for the Falcons, we kind of touched on it last week when it was still rumored. But, uh, yeah, I feel like that's a decent signing for them. I don't really know where that's going to go. I feel like they still have a lot of question marks to figure out more in the front office, which which players are going to trade with Julio Jones and everything. So we don't know what that roster will really look like in a year. They don't really have a running back. I don't think Gurley – I think his time might be over as a – predominant back I feel bad because he was so dominant and it was injuries that kind of took his career a little early but that's the shelf life of a running back in the NFL is three to four years that's why you never want to pay a a running back big money in this league and then the Texans Texans are a shit show we don't know what's going on Watson might want out I don't want them to give the enemy the job and then feel like he gets screwed out of a job because I don't know I'd almost pull the uh, the offensive coordinator from uh, the Patriots. I'm trying to remember his name. I'm blanking on it right now. Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels and be like, oh, yeah, sure, Colts. I'll be your next head coach. Psych. I'm going to come back for one more year and wait for Bel- Belichick to retire. But I feel like that's what I would do if I was the enemy. I would stay, stay still. And if you're the Texans, I don't know. Maybe, sign Ro- maybe have Romeo Cornell be the one-year coach just because you've missed out on all the other coaching candidates that you possibly wanted. So. I don't know. The Texans are kind of in a standstill and so is Biennemi. So I'm curious to see how that shakes out over the last few weeks. Sorry. I'm done with my monologue now. All right. Well, I'll go, I'll, I'll start with, with Campbell first. I mean, it's here after what the one thing, the one thing I, I, I did take the, my biggest thing that I took was that how he talked about how he's like, I'm, I'm not going to bother with coaches speak because you've heard all that, you know, he said, you know, he, he heard all that shit before. And he's like, I apologize for my language. It's like, but no, because I, and you know, he was pretty much talking to the fans directly because we have as Lions fans, we have heard it all talk before. We didn't hear anything but coaches speak with, with Patricia, with Matt Patricia as the head coach for three years. So it's just, and you know, it was the same thing every week. No, even, even after they kept making the same mistakes, it was the same things he kept saying week after week. Oh yeah. We just got to be more. Cause we just got, no, it's like, you're not, it's not, it was never an answer. Like it was never, it was never anything that really was like made any sense in terms of like, like, how are you getting better? You say the same thing every week. So he seems like a guy that's going to be honest about what does he even said? Like, there's more, there's more pieces on offense that than defense that gets him excited. And I mean, I mean, I think any fan could, that, that, that has watched the Lions the last year could especially say that. So he's honest. He was honest about, it. but he seems like a guy that, I mean, yeah, we talk about running through a brick wall. He's seen, and, and, from the reports in terms of reading about what players and coaches had former players and coaches who worked with them had to say, they all love them. 
they say he's a guy that, you know, you, they love to work with, they love to play for. And so, and, you know, he had a, you know, he has the, a, a, a little bit of head coaching experience when he was the Dolphins interim head coach after Joe Philman got fired. I think it was like the year, maybe the year before Adam Gase became the head coach and he, you know, the team started one three and he led them to a five and seven finish, which, you know, isn't spectacular, but you know, it's not horrible. Um, and, you know, so it's, and he's had the last four or four or five years to learn under Sean Payton, which is, you know, pretty, a pretty good, pretty good, uh, you know, I've, you know, a pretty good uh, experience that you can get in terms of learning how to run a team from, from the success he's had. So it's tough. I'm, I'm naturally optimistic. So I want to say I feel good about, but just because it's the lions, I'm going to reserve like getting, you know, really excited or anything like that. But it does seem like this is the kind of coach they need to bring in a coach that's going to reunify the locker room, a coach that's going to get players excited to play for this team that are, you know, even, even if they may not be good, he's going to get people motivated and he's going to get guys to, he's going to get guys to go all out in all, in all likelihood, just because that's what his personality is. And if he can connect the players better and he can be more of that natural, you know, leader that it just seems like Patricia just never was then, you know, I think that's, you know, because I, I do, like, I'll agree with Jacob. I don't feel like, you know, for the X's and O's aspect, I feel like for the head coach, you have to, you have to be able to focus on, you know, focusing on just managing the, your whole team, your team as a whole. You know, I mean, you can be an X's and O's guy, but at the end of the day, that's what you have coordinators for. Like, you have to be able to motivate your guys. You have to be able to have everyone on the same page. And so I feel, you know, Campbell, hey, it's not a sexy hire. It's certainly not one that anyone expected, but you know, I mean, even if it was that, even if they did go with someone like Arthur Smith or something like that, it may not have worked anyway. So, you know what? Hey, we'll see. He's got a six year deal. So he's going to be, he'll, he'll have his time there. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm optimistic. He seems like he's, he seems like it seems like a guy who's going to be a good fit, but uh, it's the lions. So again, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, the only thing, I mean, I won't touch much on Campbell. That's kind of your guys' show. But what I will say is, you know, and I'm not seeing this out of the three of you, but talk is cheap. Uh, as a Browns fan, I, I know what it I know what it is to hear exactly what I just heard yesterday from Dan Campbell. I've heard it out of Browns coaches for years. Um, it's winning. Winning is the only thing that matters. Let's see him win a few games, and then we'll move on from there. Um, as for the other hires, uh, Staley, I don't really know much about him. Um he, he's only been the defensive coordinator for the Rams for two years, uh, or for actually I think it was for only a year. But um, I mean I don't know. I mean I don't like judging any new coaches until I at least see how they you know how they perform. Um, it, it's like it's like trying to predict first round draft picks. Like I just I can't judge them until I've seen it. So I think you know I think it's probably an okay hire. It's probably the safe play. Um, do that, and he's got you know. Um, I think he's got one of the Rams assistants coming over as the offensive coordinator with him um, to help out Herbert. So they're going to get some McVay offense going for Justin Herbert, which will be kind of cool. Now, now we're going to see like both LA teams running like the same offense. It's going to be really fun, actually. Um, Sirianni to the Eagles. Um, this, this makes complete sense for the Eagles. Um, while I agree with Jacob that the Colts offense wasn't exactly, you know, it didn't exactly, you know, pop off the page this year. What happened was, in my opinion, instead of, you know, the Eagles now were basically saying, okay, Carson Wentz's success in 2017 was due to Frank Reich being there as the offensive coordinator. So what did they do? Instead of sending Carson Wentz to Indianapolis to work with Frank Reich, they brought Frank Reich to the Eagles in a different form. 
they brought his offense over to the Eagles in Nick Sirianni, who is running Frank Reich's offense. So the, it's, it's kind of a, it, it's, it's kind of a savvy move by the Eagles. Um, do, do I, do I think it's going to work? I don't know. Again, I, I'm not going to judge, you know, a head coach when I haven't seen them coach a game yet, but I think that's exactly what they did. And it makes a lot of sense. Um, they're basically going to tell Carson, you know, this is, we got your guy. Um, he's going to be able to run the offense that you're comfortable in. He's going to put you in a comfortable position. Um, and I think now if they don't succeed, then you know that, you know, you have to move on from Carson Wentz. But what's obvious is they're going to give Carson Wentz at least another season. And then, I mean, Arthur Smith to the Falcons, I think it's a solid hire. Um, the one thing I did hear him say, they were asking about, you know, the future of Matt Ryan. And he said, you know, Matt Ryan's their quarterback. He thinks that anything that he was setting up Tannehill to do in Tennessee, Matt Ryan can do. I actually agree with that. Um, while he's not as mobile as he used to be, Matt Ryan can still make all the throws. Um, the play action game will work very well for the Falcons. I, I, I think I think their offense will be decent next year. It'll just be interesting to see how Arthur Smith does without a running back like Derrick Henry and without being able to rely on the running game like he did in Tennessee. But other than that, I think we have some solid tires. Texans are a mess. We all already know that. I have no idea what they're going to do, so why even bother trying? So, um, But, yeah, that's my thoughts. I was going to say on the Eagles really quick. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if just bringing a guy who was the coordinator under Frank Wright, because remember, it's like, it's like Frank, yes, that was Frank Wright was the offensive coordinator for, you know, the best year of Carson Wentz career before he got hurt. But Doug Peterson was still the head coach and that was still overall an offense that, you know, he was leading. So I just, I don't know. I don't know if that's the answer necessarily for the Eagles. I kind of think, I honestly, I've, I, I've thought that it was a mistake to fire Peterson in general. And I just, I think it shows that just Car they're they're just you know giving Carson Wentz basically all the power in terms of who they in terms of you know between the struggle between those two, based on how he looked this year. I did I don't I don't think that's necessarily the right decision, um, but we'll see. Yeah, I think Smith I actually think is a tough job because the Falcons, I don't know they're they're not in a great situation. You they could they could be a position to take a new quarterback. They don't have a ton of cap space, things like that. And I think the Derrick Henry question is going to be it's going to be interesting to see how great that play action game is going to work when you don't have you know a guy who just ran for 2,000 yards in your backfield not to say not to say he won't be successful but it will be interesting to see and yeah the Texans are a mess you know whether Deshaun stays or not they're just it, it, it like it feels like it feels like in order for Deshaun to say it feels like they just they it feels like it has to be Eric Bami or bust but as we've talked about that's probably not for him it's probably not a move that's that really is going to do a lot for his future in terms of like potential success so they're just a mess and it's just yeah no that's just that's that's the that's the only real takeaway you need to make for them obviously i'll be getting to my takes on those in just a second but as another lions fan i do have to talk about do have to talk about campbell for a little bit i was kind of lukewarm on this hire when it was first you know quasi-official but I'm really coming around to it right now um just the other day I believe it might have been yesterday or even this morning I think it came out that he had a quote that was something like he came in and he was you know looking over the defense and was like like I don't think that these guys are being used in the right place. I don't think they're in the right scheme. And that was 
such a refreshing thing to hear as someone who has had to witness the complete failure of the defensive scheme of the defensive guru who was brought in to win games. And if a guy that everyone is running around and calling a meathead can come in and look at that, I think that might be the worst indictment of Matt Patricia that I can possibly think of that a guy who's never called plays who hasn't even really been on the defensive side of the ball that everybody compares to the dude from the big Lebowski and talked about biting people's kneecaps off. Like, like that's something that he was able to see. And if that's the sort of thing that can keep going, that sort of observational skill, then I think the lions are already better off for that. Even if Campbell is not necessarily going to be a competitor because nobody has any idea about him, you know, as Michael mentioned, you know, it, it's very premature to give all these people like a real judgment as to whether they'll be good or not. I can only say like an immediate, like quick take about it. But even if they lose, I think they'll lose in style. They'll lose entertainingly. And that's much better than seeing them lose with a bunch of guys who kind of sit and look like this the whole time. Uh, as far as Staley to the Chargers, it's I think it's all right. I would, you know, it's not the worst hire that anyone's made. That's probably going to go to whatever happens to the Texans. I'm sorry to the one Texans fan who is probably listening to this podcast. But I think that Staley has done fantastic work in L.A. in his single year although he also had a lot of elite personnel to work with. He certainly got some of that in L.A. It's not like they're lacking with defensive personnel. They've got Joey Bosa. They've got Derwin James. So they certainly have that same sort of combination of having one really, really good D lineman, one really, really good secondary player, to say nothing of everyone else on that team. Um. It's going to be important that that Rams offensive assistant coming over to be the coordinator works out for them. It feels hard for it not to because they have so many pieces on that offense. It's it's tantalizing, and it really makes you wonder how Anthony Lynn couldn't seem to get the most out of it. So they're putting their bets on an up-and-comer, especially someone who can – shore out the side of the ball that they weren't quite as good at and I think it's got great potential for them uh Arthur Smith to the Falcons I also think that that's a pretty solid hire if it works out based on the quotes that are coming out from him in Atlanta and of course I'm following it to because I wanted him to go to the Lions and now I'm a little was a little bit salty for a while about what might have been but it sounds like he's willing to be able to adapt over there. You know, it sounds like he wants to, like he still does want to run his hyper-efficient play action, but, you know, maybe he's not going to feed Edo Smith like he fed Derrick Henry, which I'm sure Falcons fans would breathe a sigh of relief about that one. I think they can work out well as long as he can 
find his footing over there and not screw up personnel decisions. I do understand the Sirianni hire to the Eagles more understanding that Frank Wright connection, but the Eagles feel like an absolute mess right now. I really, I don't know if I would feel confident about anybody going over there. I understand why you would want as Darren mentioned someone to, you know, bring Frank Reich back over there since Carson loved that. But reading the stuff that's come about, about, you know, the absolute like animus and dislike between Peterson and Wentz. I really don't know why the Eagles are so invested in keeping him around other than just money and not being able to admit that you're wrong because I really feel like they're wrong. And this feels like, like it's one step above like an absolute panic hire given how late they started out this coaching search. As for what do the Texans do? I have absolutely no idea. They, you know, I just called the Eagles a mess. The Texans might be even more of a mess. You know, at least they know that they have a good quarterback. They just, but they can't handle him. And they've made all sorts of promises to him that seem like they've just gone back and broken either because they felt like they had to, or because they were just out and out lying to him. They have this whole situation with Jack Easterby. That's not making any sort of sense to me looking at it from a non Texans point of view. And I think that whoever goes there, you know, if they're able to do something with that roster, with that ownership situation, like if the Texans won more than eight games, I would be like, oh man, you know, put that person in like finalist for coach of the year or something. Even if they have the easiest, most cake schedule possible, just give it to them. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think that they're going to make some kind of, they're going to make some kind of weird hire or they're going to make something really uninspired. And I don't think it's going to work. And that's all I have to say about that. And, you know, that went on a little bit long. Sorry about that. I'm going to throw it over to Jacob for conference championship. Pick them. Conference championship pick them. We're pumped because I finally took the lead over Ian after tying with him. For I don't think uh, that's why we're all pumped. I think that's why you're. That's pumped. why we're all pumped is because I'm winning. All of us excited. Uh, just kidding. Not what the Betting. scores were. I'm in last. So uh, Michael has officially been eliminated. Uh, Darren seems to also be eliminated. It's coming down to Ian and I. I have 27. Ian has 26. We have two games this week, one game next week. Uh, we'll start with the back, the Bucks and the Packers. I almost call them the backers, the Bucks and the Packers. I will send it over to Ian first, just because I want to see where he picks for this game. Um, the Packers are, t- like Darren said earlier, it's the Packers' first time being home in the NFC Championship game and ever in Aaron Rodgers' career. Uh, Tom Brady. You know, he can't play in the snow. He's never played in the cold. That's a lie. He played in New England for millions of years, it seems like. But now let's see how his uh, Florida skin will do in the tundra in Green Bay. Ian, your pick for this game? 
Jacob, if you decide to make a galaxy brain pick and go with the Bucks just because I'm taking the Packers in this game, I think you're a fool, and I think I'll be taking that lead back. Thank you. I'm going to pick the Packers. I know that the Bucks did manage to shut down the Packers and create one of the worst games of Aaron Rodgers' season this year. Probably his only bad game, to be honest. But I think we've had a lot of... You know, we've had a lot of soul searching to do here at Pick'em, especially with me and Michael and even you a little bit with letting past performance cloud our judgment too much. You know, the Bucks shut down the Packers once. That doesn't mean they'll be able to do it two times. With the way Aaron Rodgers is playing, I find it very hard that they would be able to do it two times. I mean, I mean the Saints definitely have a worse offense than the Packers and they just went and put up 20 on them. You know, do the Bucks have an elite run defense? Sure. The Packers, but the Packers don't even really need a run game when they have Aaron Rodgers, who is one of the best to ever do it. I hate to say it, but it's absolutely true. You're a fool if you don't think that. Andy's having one of his hottest seasons ever. It's just really not fair for anybody to have to go up against this team. They'll beat you in whatever way they can. You know, and I don't think that you're going to see the Bucks be so fortunate as to get like multiple long for sure touchdowns getting dropped. Like what happened against the Rams. I think it's just, it's going to be the Aaron Rodgers show. It's Aaron Rodgers' world. And Tom Brady is just going to have to live in it for a little bit. Darren? You're muted, bud. I re muted myself. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, yeah, I'll agree. It's, yeah, I just think for me, the Packers. You know, they, I think they, uh, during the regular season, I, I, I think that what they went 12 and four. So they actually won one less game than they did last year, but overall this team just looks last year. They, they looked to me just more like an overrated team, which showed when they play, played the 49ers in the NFC championship game this year, though, because of how well Rogers is playing, because just seemingly like Matt LaFleur and him are just on such a incredible, it just has such an incredible chemistry going right now in terms of, you know, in terms of a play caller, in terms of a coach quarterback combination, you know, the running game is good. Uh, Devontae Adams is turning into, you know, you could, he's in the argument for best receiver in the league and the defense isn't great, but it's, you know, it's, it's got a little bit better during the second half of the season. And you at least have a couple of cornerstone pieces and guys like Jared Alexander and Zadarius Smith that can make plays for you. So I think that this is I, – I feel like that this is the year where, where they finally – where Rodgers finally gets back to the Super Bowl. It seems like it, – it's again, it's incredible to think of how good he's been for so long. And we know – and, you know, Ian, Jacob, we know this from being Detroit fans watching, you know, and having to face him for so many times. But it's like he's – you know, the fact that he only that he's only gone to one Super Bowl and he's already, what, 37, it, it's, it's pretty remarkable. It's pretty remarkable that it's been – it's gone this long without them even at least appearing, much less winning another one. So – I think Brady will put up a good fight. I think the Bucs, I won't be shocked at all if the Bucs win, of course, but I think that this is the year where the Packers, they, you know, Rodgers, at least in terms of finally getting to another Super Bowl, he gets that monkey off his back. And I think that this is, this is the year where, you know, you're at home, you're the favorite, 
you know, you played like the favorite all year, pretty much most of the year. Um, I think that this, yeah, I think this is the year they, I, this is the year that they finally get, you know, have give him his best chance to get a second ring. And I, I'll take, I'll take them over the Bucks. Michael, go ahead. Uh, I'll keep this short and sweet. It, to me, this is pretty cut and dry. Um, I've never been more confident in a team, I think, than I'm confident in the Packers right now. I I just – I don't – I really don't think I've ever been – like, you know, I've felt that there is a team in this tournament that I think it, it's just endgame. And I remember I was sitting and I was watching this game, and after I watched Devontae Adams run that little goal line route – I said, if, if, if him, if Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers are that much in sync, this is over. And my dad was like, well, it's already over. And I'm like, I'm not talking about the game. I'm talking about the entire playoffs. Um, they're so locked in right now. Um, I don't know. I've just never felt more confident. I, it's been an honor to have Aaron Rodgers as my fantasy quarterback this year. I stole him late because no one believed in him. Everyone thought he was going to be trash and I scooped him up and I was like, this is going to work out. And it did. And, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I, I, I'm going to ride the wave. I also, I, I also really, really hate Tom Brady. So I don't want to see him go to another Super Bowl. So I'm going with the Packers. My hatred for the two quarterbacks are pretty equal. Tom Brady was a Michigan man that adds the hate. Plus I was tired of seeing the Patriots win so much combined with Aaron Rodgers torching Detroit for, it seems like my entire life, but I'm not pulling a galaxy brain play here, Ian. I'm going to take the Packers. I think where we're going to disagree is the next pick and where you can maybe make up a game heading into the where the Super Bowl, but I'll keep it sweet. I like the Packers for all the reasons these guys said. It's amazing. I think that they're I just think that they're I just think they're a wagon. Their defense is playing well. They're doing a great job. So, I'm going to go with the Packers moving to the Bills and the Chiefs. You guys can give your reasons for why you think each team is going to win. I'm not going to break it down too much. I'm going to leave this all on Ian's shoulders. I will go first. I will make the definitive statement, like I said at the beginning. I will be taking the Bills for this game. I'm riding with Josh Allen for the same reasons, Michael. He was my fantasy quarterback this year, and he went undrafted. So you know what? I believe in Josh Allen. I don't want to see the Chiefs win again. I don't know. I, I know the Chiefs thing is new, but they were good the last two years. And I just – Bill's Mafia is awesome. I like they have passion in their team. And I don't think playing in the Chiefs stadium will be that much of an advantage for the Chiefs. I think it's a pretty cut-and-dry game here. They both play outside. I think they're both cold-weather teams. Both have passionate fan bases. But I'm going to go with the Bills because Josh Allen's my darling sweetheart. Michael, your pick? Oh, man. I mean, look, this is – the Bills have absolutely really no excuses not to win this game. Um, you have a banged-up Patrick Mahomes. You're as hot you're, – you're, you're as hot as any team I think I've ever seen. Um, but I'm taking the Chiefs, and I'm taking it for one reason – two reasons, and I'm taking it for Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Um, yeah, you know – to beat to to be the champs, you have to beat the champs in their own house. And I, I just look, look, Bills Mafia is great, but you know, Chiefs Kingdom is pretty pretty strong. Um, and they and I don't know. I saw what what I saw out of the Chiefs last week. Like I know I know it kind of ended a little ugly, and I know you know 
I don't think the game was really as close as the score indicated. Um, the the Chiefs are the Chiefs are the superior team in this game. I think Patrick Mahomes is unstoppable. He's whatever he's what like what is it twenty six and one in his last twenty seven games. He's lost one time, and it was to the Raiders in a game that that wasn't his fault. And I just I don't know. I, I, I have to see it to believe it. I, I think the experience matters. This is the third straight game for the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, third straight year. And Mahomes is just that guy right now. Um, he's just that guy. And I'm going to take them simply because of him and the fact that he's going to be on the field healthy or not. Darren? I will say that I, I would love it if the Bills won. I love watching him as just as a football fan. It would be a great story. And I, I would love to pick them, but for a lot of the same reasons Michael just said, I, I have to go with Kansas City. I have to go with Kansas City. And it's just, it's it, because Pat, Patrick Mahomes, it's the same way. It's, it, it feels like they are going, it's the same way that people, you know, when, when back when Brady was still in New England, when in terms of like, well, it's like, you know, bet against the Patriots at your own risk. Well, bet against the Chiefs at your own risk because at the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes is still the most – Aaron Rodgers may be the MVP this year, but I don't think there's any doubt that Patrick Mahomes is going going forward is the singer – is probably going to be regarded as the best player in football for at least the next decade. Like, there's I don't think there's any doubt about that. He's shown too much already to, to doubt that he can – you know, get it done against this Bills team, even coming a little bit banged up. Um, and no, and Andy Reid is, inter- there's no better combination. It, it, I feel like they are right now going to be, they meet a successor in terms of Belichick Brady. It's going to be Reid Mahomes. And, you know, they've already got one Super Bowl. I think they're going to be motivated to get back there. They're probably going to be motivated to show that, you know, they weren't just, you know, low, you know, they, you know, everyone talked about how they kind of were like loafing the second half of the season, how many, one score games they had against teams that probably shouldn't even have been even close to them and all and stuff like that. This is the opportunity where it's like, you know what? Everyone loves Buffalo. Hey, we're the champs. So if you think that we can't go out and put like a 40 burger on their head, it's like, you got another thing coming. I don't know. I'm not saying that will happen, but I just feel like it, I, I can't until, until I see it, I'm not, I'm, I, I can't bet against Mahomes. I can't. Cause here's the other thing too. Two years ago, the Chiefs made it to the AFC Championship game, and Mahomes, that was the year, his full year starting, 50 touchdowns, everything like that. They were the darns of the NFL. At the end of the day, though, the, fa- the, the old favorites still won out when the Patriots did. And I feel like in the same – even though Mahomes is not nearly you – know, obviously he's not nearly to the point that Tom Brady was at that time. They're the, they're, listen, they're the presumed favorites. And like I said, bet against them at your own risk. I would love to see Buffalo go to the Super Bowl, but I'm not willing to put my money on it. So, yeah, I'm going to take the Chiefs. Ian. It really is all on my shoulders now. It is, yes. I see you looking at me with that smile. Welcome to the Queen's Gambit. I have you in my final move. What do you want to do? Ian, he's literally handing this to you. Like, he's taking the underdog. I I do – you know, make things interesting. Go ahead. Make things interesting. Make things interesting. Well, I mean, this is not purely for pick em spite, but I am going with Michael and Darren here for similar reasons. 
you know, maybe that maybe this is like wildly conservative of me to take the Chiefs, but at the at the same time, yeah, you know, I can't I I I cannot bet against Mahomes unless I have like an incredibly special feeling that he's like not gonna play this, which I think he is. I do think that as red hot as Buffalo is, and they do have solid defenders in the past game, you know, although I did see Hollywood Brown burn Tredavious White for what definitely should have been a touchdown if Tyler Huntley had not overthrown him real bad. Um, you know, they do have some of the personnel to put up a good fight, and I certainly don't think it's going to be a runaway game no matter what team wins this unless, you know, unless you have to deal with Chad Henney playing the game, which the last time I was confident in Chad Henney, I was a six-year-old watching Michigan games. So, you know, times have changed. But... I I trust the people who've been there. I think the wind affected Josh Allen, but I also think that probably he might have been a little bit nervous. Uncharted territory for him. It's going to be even more uncharted now in the championship game. <clears throat> and like Michael said, you know, and Darren said, you know, hey, give it a year. I'm sure he'll be back if he keeps up this level of play. You know, he's got his offensive coordinator back. It's not like it's not like he's, you know, done forever if he loses this game. But I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I'm going to go with the people who've been there before. And I think that come next week, we're going to see us tie Jacob. Although also, side note, I've how did Josh Allen go undrafted in your league? I don't know. I was I was not able to pick him up because we have a – Wyoming native and huge University of Wyoming super fan who took him in like the third round. Yeah, that's weird. I play in a pretty competitive league. I'd like to think we have 12 people and we've, and I think it's pretty competitive, but the last two years, two years ago, I got Lamar Jackson undrafted. And then this year I got Josh Allen undrafted. So I think my forever move is just not to draft a quarterback and I'll get a top three quarterback every year. So we'll see how that goes, but wrap that up we all took the Packers which we all agree are an absolute wagon right now and think we'll probably beat the Bucks. I wouldn't be surprised about it I do think Devin White is the best linebacker in football right now but I don't think that one thing can stop the Packers right now the Packers are playing great and then everyone else took the Chiefs but I took the Bills because no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills Ian back over to you let's see where the rankings are at next week when we talk about the Super Bowl I'm looking forward to seeing that 27 by my name, Jacob. Well, that would mean that you only got one win right, which would be the Packers game. So then I would have apologized. The I would have 29 and I would have the 28. I was not even thinking of the Packers game because we all think it's such a done deal. It literally didn't even exist in my mind. So for all you, you know, 21 year olds who are not going to gamble, take the Bucks because we all took the Packers. So bet on the Bucks. Just do it. <clears throat> Clearly, you know, I mean, I can't wait for old takes exposed to come in and boost our podcast by showing how wrong we were. 
I'll make sure to take a like nice little screenshot of it of all of you guys taking the Packers, and then it'll be like the Bucks win, and then I'll be the only one on the Bills when you all say the Chiefs. So I'll make sure to send them a nice little picture. The freezing cold takes. Please, please get into contact with us. We would love the exposure, even if it's because we look insanely stupid. <clears throat> That'll wrap it up for this week. This was a little bit of a long one. I think we had some really good discussion this week. Thank you all. Good day, everybody. It's going to be an exciting day for people who like to gamble, of course. Uh, everyone gamble responsibly. I will try my hardest, too. And uh, and make sure you guys take care of your kneecaps, okay? Just, you know. <laughs> Make sure no, where our kneecaps are fine. It's a fan of any other fan base that oh, needs yeah. to watch. I, no, I'm terrified because next year the Lions are coming to Cleveland. And if you guys take Odell's other knee, I'm going to hurt somebody. Okay. I'm going to hurt somebody. You can have the knee. We just want the cap. <laughs> ACL, fine. Bone, not. No. <laughs> coming, coming straight for that bone. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> That'll definitely wrap it up for this week. Hide your kneecaps. We're out. See you next week, everybody. I'm sure we can have some great discussion about uh, the Pro Bowl. It's not happening this year. There's no yeah, problem. the virtual Pro oh, Bowl. I forgot about that. We'll probably Pro Bowl. Puppy Bowl. Puppy Bowl discussion. Ah, uh, yes. I'm thinking we'll do something else next week. Um, we'll do um, all my money's on the pug, like every year. <laughs> we'll, uh, I'm done yeah. with this week. We'll save next week for something else, and then we'll probably come back with a full Super Bowl preview um, the week before the Super Bowl because they do take a week off before the Super Bowl. So we'll probably just do something next week. Maybe take a week off. Who knows? But um, we'll see you guys back. We'll definitely talk about Super Bowl. All right. Thanks for that, Michael. I know I've said it two times already, but it is actually, indeed, time to wrap up. We'll see you all next week. For Impact Sports, WDBM, East Lansing, Ian, Jacob, Michael, Darren, thing. see you next week, everybody. Bye.